The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, Googleization Nation, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. And I got to make a mental note that we need to change the intro uh, because Keith, if you were with us last week, uh, is going to be an infrequent guest uh, or a co-host, uh, but he's uh, gone off to some greener pastures. Uh, fortunately, he's super, super busy uh, with what he's doing, and we wish him well. Uh, but we've got a uh, guest co-host, and hopefully he'll be joining us uh, for the long run, which is Mike Spermuli. And uh, hopefully um, Mike will be, uh, he's going to be with us for the month and hoping beyond that. So, hey, Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you and uh, looking forward to diving in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, you and I go uh, back. Uh, we, we got a great story. We're going to have our 20th anniversary uh, of, our, of our blind date in El Paso, Texas. I, I was wondering if you were gonna. I was wondering if you were gonna bring up El Paso, but since you did, yeah, that's it. It all started one night on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, you you had a, an opportunity, and uh, I had a. Uh, I, I I had an assessment. Basically, won't give the name of the company, but uh, we met through a mutual friend, the colleague Judy. Uh, she hooked us up and uh, I said, hey, this is worthwhile and, and flew down sight unseen, had no idea what you look like, met in the airport. Uh, and uh, we've been good, good friends ever since. And uh, so it's great to, to be able to do this uh, with you again. The same here. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Uh, we've got a great show going on. Um, so a couple things, uh, just kind of a setup here. I, I've been reading for anybody who's following me and i hope you do on linkedin or twitter uh just bite my name in we'll, we'll show up uh or you can uh, certainly subscribe to googleization nation but one of the things that uh I've, I've been doing over the weekend or for the last few weeks is working on our new the aq assessment the adaptability quotient assessment you'll hear a little bit more about that during the commercial break and uh, throughout the show but i was reading a book it's called the, the adaptive advantage and for anybody who's followed me over the years and, and even read some of my books, you know, I, I, I always try to kind of make it real for people. Uh, so we've lived in, in 2020. We're, we're certainly living in this world of exponential change. Uh, most people didn't really understand exp how what exponential was, the growth of exponential uh, until this year. And now you probably can get a, a three-year-old who's watched any news or heard, heard people speak and explain what exponential is. But to, to make it real, uh, they gave a reference in this book about that the, the smartphone that we carry today, and most of us are doing it, uh, and this is before the new Apple uh, 13 that came out, 
um, or Apple 12, not 13, but Apple 12. Uh, the smartphone we carry has 100,000 times more computing power, 1 million times more memory, and 7 million times the storage that was aboard the Apollo 11 that landed on the moon. It's insanity. Yeah, except when we, here's the kicker for this. If we put that in relation to a VW Beetle and, you know, Mike, I think, you know, a little past, I mean, in the 60s, certainly in the 50s, 60s and and 70s, um, that was the car. I mean, everybody had that because it was the most affordable vehicle that you can possibly have. My dad Uh, had one, actually. He used to take me to school with it in the the early 70s. I was white. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. So so in the families, I mean, people knew what they were. And then they sort of made a comeback a few years ago. But boy, in the 50s and 60s and and early 70s, it was the vehicle. I had one and there was like no, there was no, I got one. um, It it was actually an extra car that we needed. When I lived in Philadelphia, it was a stick. I didn't even know how to drive a stick. So I went there. Fortunately, the, uh, I bought the car from a guy who lived on a hill and I was able to coast down (laughs) to to the bottom. Uh, But the the floorboard was completely rotted out and everything, but they, they moved and they were really, really economical, except uh, if the VW Beetle progressed along the same trajectory as the computer, uh, about the, the speed of computing, the car today would be able to travel 300,000 miles per hour, get 2 million miles uh, per ga- uh, two million miles per gallon of gasoline, and cost four cents. <laughs> that. I mean, you, you talk about insanity. That's that's certainly it. So we've come a long way. But if anybody's tired and exhausted uh, from all this change, not just the pandemic, but the, the pace of change of how things are happening, uh, there's a reason why. And, and I think those stats t- tend to bring into real. And But on top of all the technology change that we've experienced this year, we, there, there's one other thing that's going on and uh, beyond the election. So we got the election. We've got uh, technology, which has been happening in the background and accelerate. Yeah. And accelerated because of that. Then we get a pandemic and then we are seeing a social um, uh, we're seeing social we're experienced the 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 the, the outcome of literally centuries, but especially 50 to 60 years of injustice that's happened that we thought was improving, but not fast enough. And then with George Floyd and a lot of other incidents over the summer, continuing incidents, uh, we certainly have a divided nation. Uh, and our guest today, uh, I'm really excited about bringing on because he he's, he's experienced this firsthand, um, but he also has an incredible optimism and he's helping a lot of people, uh, uh, again, a lot of people of, of, of all colors and races and genders, but especially within the black community. So I, I want to be able to welcome uh, Coach Michael Taylor to us. Um, he's written a few books. Uh, I'll have him share the story that we've got. Uh, but uh, two of the books are um, uh, basically Overcoming Our Adversity is Your Greatest Ally. And the other one, which was the title of our program, uh, which was about overcoming black male stereotypes. So, Michael Taylor, welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Well, first of all, I got to tell you, I love the title of your show. 
because I'm definitely a geek and a geezer. So I'll I'll fit right into this conversation. Yeah, well, 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 I think the geek part probably hits all of us, and the and the geezer part probably I get to to legitimately own that title by chronological age. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not re- I'm not ready to act my age yet. So. Um, yeah, for, for sure. But thank you. you you've had uh, quite a journey, uh, which which dovetails for anybody who listened to our show last week. Uh, we had Michael, the other the other Michael, Michael Levitt. Uh, Michael, uh, in his 30s, uh, had experienced with he has a book called 369 Days. And within those 369 days, he experienced he had a heart attack uh, from burn from stress from burnout. Um he then lost his job. It was during the Great Recession. So he, he, he was off work and then he got laid off because of that. Uh, he then lost his car and was had his house foreclosed uh, all within one year. Uh, and, and he talked about the impact of burnout. And, and he feels that the, the uh, impetus for that was or the catalyst for all that was certainly his uh, you know, the stress that he was, his work life, his lifestyle of how he was doing that. You had similar experiences, which we'll get you into, but you had one additional disadvantage. And for anybody who can see us now on, on video, um, you're black. And obviously, I, I can, I, I was trying to prepare for the show. And, and I went back and said, what could I think of similar have i ever been discriminated against and, and i grew up in a town that was 95 percent or more catholic with 35 jewish families and the and i was i was i was raised jewish i was the only jewish kid in my class i didn't experience it overtly but there was definitely there was definitely some you know uh, discrimination that was allowed and i remember my parents couldn't join certain clubs there was a local a, a local community country club and they weren't allowed to join because of that. So there was some discrimination, but it certainly wasn't overt. And Mike, Michael Spramulli, um, probably as an Italian Catholic, uh, it's a, you, you fall into some of that. So yeah. I, I, I think, you know, when we talk about stereotypes, we're there, but before we get to the stereotypes, tell us a little bit about your story. Um, Michael, how you got to this point, because it certainly wasn't a smooth, a, a smooth journey. Well, let's let's start at the very beginning. I was born in the inner city projects of Corpus Christi, Texas, to a single mom with six kids. And we were basically the poster children for poverty back in the 60s. When I was in the 11th grade, I decided to drop out of high school because I convinced myself that I could get rich selling vacuum cleaners. (laughs) Pretty, pretty poor choice. But that's yeah, I won't give the name, but I I sort of remember, you know, it it was like one of two that a lot of people did that. I can, I can tell you, I I knew, unfortunately, I knew people that tried that (laughs) same, same route. (laughs) Yeah, but fortunately for me, I landed a job with this building supply center. At the age of 19, I worked extremely hard, climbed the corporate ladder. And at the age of 22, I was living the American dream. And I was actually the youngest manager in the history of the company and only the sec- second black manager in a 75-year history of the company. And so at the age of 23, I was living the dream. As I mentioned, I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids and all of that. And by society standards, I was pretty successful. And within approximately a six and a half year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare as I went through a divorce, bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression. And I was even homeless for two years living out of my car. And during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. 
I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed, looking across the room at my bookshelf, when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head. Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? And it was that one simple question that literally changed and saved my life in an instant. I can't describe it in words, but something in me shifted and all of a sudden my depression lifted and I had this amazing clarity that I was going to be able to rebuild my life and it was going to become extraordinary. And as a result of that question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money. I started reading books on psychology and philosophy and spirituality and metaphysics. And I went on this amazing journey of transformation. Well, fortunately, I was able to rebuild my life. And in doing so, I decided, you know, obviously I'm not the only person that's gone through a lot of these adversities. So why not write a book to support others who may be dealing with those same challenges? And that's why I wrote Adversity is Your Greatest Ally how to use life challenges as stepping stones to live the life of your dreams, to support others in dealing with adversity in their lives. So within the book, and I, and I, I kind of read excerpts of, of things that you've done, um, there's a couple steps. I mean, there's a couple challenges that you had. So other than reading the book, um, you know, what were some kind of give us the highlights of that, the abridged version of, of, of what you what someone can do. Because, again, there's, um, you know, six billion people that are experiencing adversity this year. Right. And uh, I think I said this uh, bef before, but, uh, you know, one of one of the quotes that you had uh, was about experiencing serious difficulty or misfortune. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I heard that in one of your presentations. And, you know, certainly uh, I, I don't know anybody on the planet that's probably not experienced some uh, difficulty this year or misfortune. Yeah. So so let's break it down into five simple steps. OK, step number one in turning what I call your adversities into allies. Number one, which is the most difficult things for anyone to do, is to take 100 percent responsibility for your life turning out the way you want it to. You see, as human beings, it's easy to point fingers and place blame on them and those people or whoever. You know, we can blame our parents. We can blame our race. We can blame our age. We can blame our lack of education. I mean, there's a gazillion things we can place blame on. But until we decide, and it's a conscious choice that we have to make, that we're going to be 100% responsible for our life. And as soon as we do that, everything changes because then you're no longer a victim. Then you become responsible and you can now have the tools or the keys to transforming your life. And if you're unwilling to do that, nothing else will change. That's the first thing. Second thing, you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. As human beings, we dislike discomfort. We don't like being uncomfortable. But we have to understand that if it doesn't challenge us, it can't change us. And so being willing to step out of our comfort zone is the next step. And once again, it's really difficult for most people to do that because getting out of the comfort zone is kind of scary. And most of us like certainty. We don't want to step into the unknown. So we try to stay comfortable, but we cannot grow if we don't get out of our comfort zone. Number three, if you're going to turn your adversities into allies, you have to commit to your own growth. 
And I've always been fascinated with human potential and how people have overcome adversities in their lives. And I, I read a lot of books and have met a lot of people who have, have overcome adversities and, and they all have a very similar story. And that story is they commit to their own personal growth and transformation. That means they're willing to learn new things. That means they're willing to become self-introspective, to look at life from a different through a different lens versus what society says we're supposed to do. So that's key number three, commit to your own growth. Key number four, you must develop a positive mental attitude, which can be extremely difficult if you pay attention to mainstream media. And one of the things that I coach people on is to minimize or eliminate the amount of negative news you allow into your mind, because what you're planting, your your thoughts are like seeds. And so you plant negative seeds, you're going to have negative experiences in your life. And if you listen to enough negativity, obviously you will have a negative attitude. So developing a positive mental attitude is key. And last but not least, you must discover your unique gifts and talents. Now, this is kind of unique because when I was living the American dream, as I thought it was anyway, I never realized that I had this amazing gift of writing and speaking. I never dreamed of being a writer, but as a result of the journey that I went on, I discovered that I had these amazing gifts to write. And so as mentioned, I've written eight books um, and I love public speaking. I never dreamed of being a public speaker, but it's a gift that I have that I discovered through this process. So for those people who are out there struggling with all the challenges in their lives, ask yourself a simple question. What is it that you're really good at? And amazingly, very few people have even asked themselves that question. What am I really good at? And so the key is to find what you're good at and what you love. And when you do that, then in a lot of cases, you can take those gifts and talents and apply them to making the world a better place. And that's when you discover what I'll call your purpose, your divine purpose, because I believe every human being does have a purpose. So finding what we love and what we're good at, figuring out a way to apply them to make the world a better place, then we are on purpose. And then our lives become more rewarding and fulfilling. Outstanding. Uh, Mike Spermuli, I mean, have any uh, thoughts? Well, I've got a question related to item number four, which is, <laughs> and, and it's you know controlling the negativity. How do you, let's say, because I know a lot of people going through a lot of different things right now. Uh, everything's unstable, you know, work is uh, disrupted, what have you. When someone seems like nothing's good in their life at this moment, what advice would you have for that person to at least start the process of, tuning out the negative and realizing that there, there are positive opportunities that await, but you just have to look for them. Well, a couple of things. First of all, as human beings, we have this amazing gift called imagination. And everything begins in our imagination. So imagine this. I'm basic, I'm actually homeless. I'm living in a car, right? I have nothing, no material possessions. I used to sleep in the back seat of this car. And what I would do is I would take these little sticky notes and I would write little things that I was grateful for on the back of the seat in front of me as I slept in the back seat. And so what I would do is I started imagining myself 
what it was going to be like when I overcame the situation that I was in. Now, my current circumstances didn't say that was possible. Because again, young black guy went on in 11th grade education, you know, didn't have any real prospects for getting a good job. And so society would say, oh man, you're just, you know, you don't have a good chance to, to succeed. But in my imagination, I would see myself becoming successful. I saw myself on stage speaking to thousands of people. I saw myself becoming a best-selling author, all the while sitting and sleeping in the back of a car. <laughs> so it begins with using our imagination to start visualizing that which we want to create in our lives. Now, obviously, that's really difficult to do when all the shit hits the fan, mm -hmm. but it all begins here. If we don't shift our mindset to a more positive attitude, we will never change our circumstances. Our circumstances will not change until we change what's going on in here. And having a positive mental attitude is a way to do that. Mike, I, I, Michael Spermulli, I, I can I can almost sense, you know, we've known each other a long time. I can almost sense the, the same wheels turning, going back to the quality of motivation. So, um, so, so, so Michael Taylor, um, I was introduced, uh, I started this business 25 years ago and right away I was introduced to this model, uh, which was the quality of motivation. And prior to the, they were trying to take it into business, but prior to that, uh, most of the studies had been done, uh, low income families, um, in prisons like Leavenworth, uh, a couple other prisons, and they looked at recidivism. Why, why do people who have model behavior inside on the way home uh, get drunk, get into a fight or steal something? Uh, you know, uh, their break. Uh, why do, you know, why do people in poverty continue to live in poverty, even though they're given opportunities to get out? And they broke it down uh, basically real simply. We don't have a, a whole lot of time to do it, but basically it looked at a principle of people are motivate, motivated by pain or are motivated by pain and pleasure to get to attain pleasure, to keep the pleasure we got, to avoid pain and to escape pain. And what we are taught is how to get pleasure, quick pleasure, those quick bursts and how to escape from pain. But we're not taught how to keep what we got and how to avoid getting into trouble. But on the counter side of that, as you were going through this list, I'm going, okay, that's a counterproductive behavior. That's a counterproductive behavior. There was self-defeat and self-martyr and self-punishment, and, and they used to call it self-martyrance. Uh, self uh, and the self-defeatance was, I have an opportunity to improve, but I'm not smart enough. I'm black. I'm Jewish. I'm Italian. You know, I'm short. I'm tall. I'm whatever it is. Uh, and so people learn to turn down those opportunities. The sabotage is I've got, and I'm careless. That's the emotion that, that does that. I just blow it. I've got an opportunity. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what color, race, ethnicity, or gender, but you're given a new job and then you continually show up late or you mouth off. Then it looked at self-punishment. Uh, self-punishment was no pain, no gain. If it's not, you know, if, if it doesn't hurt, it's not worth doing. Uh, it's too easy. There must be a catch. And the final one was going back to this hope. And this keeps in 20 in the 24 years that I was exposed to this. It keeps going back to this, that there's that it's called that the behavior self-martyrance and, and it's driven by hopelessness. And 
what happens is that each of those four behaviors, the self-defeat and self-sabotage, um, self-punishment, self-martyrance, uh, are skills we learn. And when you were talking about comfort zone, those were the skills that we learned how to use those skills for immediate gratification. So when we come back, we're going to take a break here in a minute or so. But when we come back, and again, this fits, this kind of segues into your, uh, the black male stereotypes or any type of stereotypes of how do we help people overcome this? How do we people help that, that you'll never be successful because look where you came from. You don't have a degree. You did it. But there's, there's something within your DNA that inspired you to do it differently. But there's obviously a lot of people that are in poverty of all colors, but especially in people of color of that of the, that community of the black community that are really struggling um, from education, from transportation, from opportunity. How do we help overcome that? Uh, because it's a skill that they learn to leverage. <laughs> um, and and again, going back to comfort zone, it's a whole lot more comfortable hanging around my buddies. <laughs> you know, uh, that it is to lose those friends. If you become successful, then you won't be friends with us. Therefore, let's pull her back. <laughs> so, and, and Mike, you, that also brings back what I think when I met you, uh, you were either just finishing or you were still working in a prison. I, I yeah, I was a couple of years uh, having, uh, I, out of prison as a mental health counselor. And right. it was still very, yeah, that experience was very fresh in my mind because uh, I think we had met shortly after I had started my company, which was in 98. I think we met around 2000, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2001, I think, uh, yeah. was our date <laughs> so yeah. coming, coming up in February. Uh, so we are going to take a break. Uh, you've been listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. I'm with my guest co host today, Michael Spermuli. And our second Michael today is Michael Taylor. Our guest, uh, our, our guest uh, has written a number of books, Shattering Black Male Stereotypes, which we're going to talk about coming in. And we are just talking about how to make adversity your ally. Uh, and we all basically need that. So we're going to take a short break, uh, hear from our sponsor, Success Performance Solutions. We're going to introduce a new program, and we will be right back. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift. But do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity. To successfully navigate the shift to the new normal, each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this, others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. 
Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, RAQ Assessment and Coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm uh, your host, Ira Wolf, here with my guest co-host, Mike Spermulli, and Coach Michael Taylor is our guest, and we've been talking about adversity. Uh, obviously, uh, one, of the, one of the things, and... I, I can't tell you how appropriate this was, Michael, that that was the commercial. That's This is the introduction of AQ for my business. Um, I mean, that's what we're talking about. And um, I, you know, I don't know how, it's obviously uh, divine, it's divine intervention maybe uh, that we're there. Uh, but we want to get back to you, uh, you know, of, of, of uh, again, that journey, an incredible journey from high school dropout, um, you know, through sleeping in the back of your car and we were talking about hope. So we're, we're all in this need to adapt. But, you know, the one thing that that I, I guess I'm looking to you for is how how do we help everyone? But especially you've done this with um, black males. I mean, I, and you just did a program with that, especially after this summer that the awareness is coming up with George Floyd and unfortunately, numerous other tragedies uh, in this country. How do we change all this? Well, I am an irrepressible optimist. That's the lens through which I see the world. And I am well aware of all the challenges that are going on in our society and world today. And I honestly believe that every human being has a divine purpose. Okay, And that's, that's really what drives me. And so in order to change, I believe, first of all, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, is taking 100% responsibility first and then figuring out who we really are is the key. Now, as I mentioned about purpose, there are those of us who, I guess some people might call us thought leaders. And thought leaders simply think differently. Uh, doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It's just, I choose to think a little differently than what most people do. And so, are you familiar with Ken Wilber? You know, Ken I've, I've, heard, I've heard the name, but I... Yeah, he's, he's a philosopher. Um, this guy's been around forever, and he has a what he calls integral theory. It's a theory of everything. But he says that there are basically three worldviews that human beings see the world through. The first worldview is what he calls an ethnocentric worldview, which implies that human beings are different and separate because of ethnicity. Okay, The second worldview is what he calls a human-centric worldview meaning we recognize that as human beings, we're all the same, we're all connected intimately. And then the third worldview is what he calls a cosmocentric worldview, meaning everything is connected to everything else. Now, I choose to hold that, cosmo, uh, that, that view because as a person who happens to be black, I have experienced every imaginable type of discrimination and racism you can imagine. I've had my life threatened simply for being black, I had a guy put a gun to my head simply because I was black. When I was 23 years old and I was working for that company that I mentioned, I was in a little city called Pearland, Texas, which is just south of Houston. And in 1983, there were still 
active KKK halls 20 minutes south of me in a little city called Alvin. And these guys would come in the store and try to harass me. And I mean, I, it's, I've, I've seen it all. But despite all of that, I still have this optimistic view of the world. And it's based on my belief, as Ken Wilber says, is when we move through these different worldviews and simply choose to think a little differently. And so for me, as a black man, I remember back in the 60s when we had this little black and white TV and we would sit in the living room on Sundays and watch uh, Lawrence Welk and, <laughs> and Disney Channel. But I remember whenever a black person was on television, it was a huge event. Mm -hmm. People would start calling each other on the phone. Sydney Poitier is on TV or there's a black person. I mean, it was a big, big deal back then, right? And so fast forward now, I'm, I'll be 60 this month. And so now as I look at the world and I remember that experience and now if I turn on my television, what will I see? Not only will I see black people on television, but I see black people owning television stations. I see black people creating content. Mm -hmm. And so I am an optimist. I, I recognize the challenges, but I believe in universal principles. And there's a principle that says there is a breakdown, breakthrough, universal law. And currently, humanity is in major breakdown. But breakdowns are always preparation for breakthrough. And I, excuse me, I honestly believe that we're being prepared to go through an amazing breakthrough. Because here's the thing. When Barack Obama was elected president, it's like America went to sleep on racism. Oh, we out of a black president. Racism is over, mm -hmm. right? No, it isn't. No, it wasn't. And so now we have the juxtaposition of this new president who is the complete opposite. But what he's doing is he's shining light or he's bringing attention to where we need to shine the light in this country in regards to race relations. So in my opinion, this current situation that we're in is just that. It's shining light on those dark places that we as a country have been afraid to look at. And now we don't have a choice. And so the majority of people, if you look at what's happening with the protests and everything, it's not just black people. <laughs> Humanity as a whole is beginning to wake up. And have you noticed the conversation around things like white privilege and white fragility? And, and there's this conversation that we really haven't had the way that we're having now. So that's the reason for my optimism. There's a divine intelligence, I believe, that moves humanity forward. And this intelligence knows exactly what it's doing. And so this current situation that we're in is just temporary. We're going to move through this. We're going to become stronger as a country and as a world as a result of it. So more directly to your question, it's not what we do. It's what I do. So I mean that every person individually has to be courageous enough to challenge their deeply held thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about people who may not look like them. If we're willing to challenge those beliefs, if we're willing to challenge those thoughts, those feelings that we may have, that's how things change. And it begins one human being at a time. And that's what I try to do with my message. Challenge each individual person to just change how they think, because in changing how you think, you change how you act. You change how you act, you change your outcomes. So if we change how we think to more positive uh, worldviews of people who may not look like us, we can change the world. 
so Michael, I, I'm thinking of, there's a million thoughts and I know we just have like <laughs> nine or 10 minutes left in, in our conversation here. Um, so one of the things is as a little bit older than you, not much, but a little bit older, uh, as a white middle upper class male, um, I certainly didn't face so, you know, as, as many or, or even a fraction of some of the adversity that you have. Uh, it wasn't always that way. I grew up in a small, my, my family owned a small retail store in the coal regions, a coal mining town. So, you know, kind of came out of there, but, you know, things have changed. Um, but I also, at least in my, at, at, I agree with you with the the human, at least the human centric and, and the, the um, well, all of them, I think it's a three-legged stool. I, I think because we still need to protect our identities. You know, we just can't become one amorphous, body. So we're still going to, you know, if we lose our, our gender, ethnicity, our color, and we don't recognize anything, that's a challenge. But it also seems that we're, a lot of us are tending to walk on eggshells because we don't want to offend. We, we are generally trying to improve it. So I, I've participated and I've heard discussions about if, if you say you're not a racist, you probably are, unless you actively go out and protest it. Um, if uh, and you know it, it seems that everybody's taking an aggressive stance and then people get defensive and people are trying and they're uncomfortable with what they say i, I guess what's your I, I i'm not sure there's a right answer right or wrong answer but what's your take on all that well first of all i think the word racism and racist has been so overused and abused that it's lost its real meaning and i think what's happening is a lot of people, for whatever reason, specifically white people, there's this thing about guilt and shame that I think a lot of white people are feeling as a result of all the racial stuff that's going on. I don't believe, personally, if you didn't own slaves, you shouldn't feel shame if your forefathers did. You shouldn't feel shame about that. You shouldn't feel shame that you're white. You should be proud of your ethnicity. But this whole idea about white privilege, and I know there's a big backlash and that you know, people feeling pretty negative about it, but I say embrace your ethnicity. Don't be ashamed or, or feel guilty because you're white. If you're not participating in the racist attitudes and, and structures that are out there, you shouldn't feel guilty. Now, the question is, are you willing to feel compassion and empathy when you see things like George Floyd? Are you willing to open your heart and allow yourself to feel what's going on without a, a mental judgment about it, but just as a human being? Can you not sense the sadness and the, the hurt that we as Black people feel when we see those types of things happening to us? So it's really not about passing judgment and making white people feel guilty or, or, or shame. It's about just bringing awareness to the fact that this country still has a ways to go. But at the same time, once again, it's my belief that the trajectory that we're on is positive. I don't think we're going back in race relations. I don't think race relations are getting worse. I really don't. Because of technology, we now get to see mm -hmm. that which black people have been saying since the beginning of time. We've been saying that there's a system in place that needs to change. And we have to change the system by changing the people who are running the system. And so these conversations about race 
should be, my hope is, changing the minds of the people who are in charge of the system. And so we have to all become allies to this one human-centric, we're all in this together attitude. And that's how the world changes. But unfortunately, again, because of our, our media and how it's structured, it, it, this is what it does. For every position, there is an opposition, which creates polarization. Nothing gets done. But that's what our media loves to focus on. They'll get someone with this really rigid point of view, this really rigid point of view, and they just do this, right? Not, yeah. Nothing yep. changes, right? So it's possible to simultaneously hold two opposing points of view here. Very few people are able to do mm -hmm. that because we want to do this. It's called cog cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yeah. so, so the key is as a race, as a human race, is to understand what Stephen Covey said. Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand and then be understood. And so rather than pass our judgments and have these rigid ideas about whatever another person, take a moment and just try to walk in their shoes to try to understand where they're coming from. For example, if you look at this whole um, protest thing with Cal Colin Kaepernick, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously that's a heated topic, right? Heated debate. And so when Colin first started kneeling, as a black person, I knew immediately that it was going to be made into a black-white issue. Because if white people didn't participate, that's what it was going to be framed as. Okay? Now, fast forward to now, that whole issue has changed dramatically. Because white people started to go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe that's a different way to look at this. And when Roger Goodell of the NFL comes on television and says, we were wrong, that tells me that there's a shift in consciousness as how we see this. Now, with this whole George Floyd situation and race relations, it's been building up on that Colin Kaepernick protest, but now people are starting to say, ooh, it never really was about the flag. It never really was about disrespecting the military. We've got some issues that need to be addressed. And now look at how the country has come together to say, hmm, Black Lives Matter. Have part, you part, part of the country. <laughs> part. So, uh, yeah, so it, as, you, it, as you were talking, I mean, it, it went from black and white to left and right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so it, we, but it's a different battle. But now, now at least you're right. At least there's 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 a a coalescence of humanity um, within that. And, and you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's eventually going to win out, but it's going to be ugly to get there. <laughs> so. Yeah. And see, even even that left right conversation is this. Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. You know, it's <laughs> more, more. <laughs> yeah, it's always this. So again, I, as an optimist, um, like I said, I have some white friends who I literally trust with my life, um, just love and adore and cherish them. Just, I mean, they're just my friends. I could care less what color they are. Mm -hmm. And it's really about us being willing to open our hearts and minds to people who may not look like us. And it's really difficult to do that. Why? Because we have, as human beings, biases and prejudices that we have to be willing to address. 
So again, I love the conversation that we're having now about bias, because I believe we don't live in a racist society anymore. We do live in a biased society. Why? Because it's a society of human beings. As human beings, we'll always be biased and prejudiced, right? But again, consciousness starts to shift. So if you think about the civil rights movement, okay? And in my book, Shattering Black Male Stereotypes, I have what I call the CWBS. The CWBS is the collective white belief system. So back in the 60s, or even before that, the collective white belief system was that black people were different than, less than, so forth, right? So collectively, most white people felt that way. And when they did, they set in place a system based on their feeling and thoughts of being superior. And that's why we had all of the laws that said black people couldn't do this and black people couldn't do that. But as humanity evolves, that CWBS starts to change. Why? Because of evolution, first of all. But I'll say that back then, when the CS CWBS was more dominant, that's when the racist laws were put into effect. As humanity has evolved, that CWBS is now starting to fade away. Why? Because in just a few years, white people will no longer be the majority. So humanity is shifting. You have no choice. You have to accept that it's shifting. The attitudes, the beliefs are changing. And that's what's going to move us into what I consider a more positive future. And, and the best thing is we, we are having the conversation, even though it could be uncomfortable, it could be divisive, it could be ugly. At least we're talking about it. <laughs> and the fact, the fact that we're even having this conversation today right. confirms for me that yeah. the things are changing. Super. Uh, we are, I'm getting the signals here. We're, we're going to get pulled off in a couple minutes. Uh, Michael Taylor, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they buy your books? Well, if you go to coachmichaeltaylor.com, you'll have access to most of my sites. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the Shattering Black Male Stereotypes book and the, I've actually started a movement called the Shattered Stereotypes Movement mm -hmm. specifically for black men to empower them to embrace this optimistic attitude that I'm talking about. So they can go to shatteringblackmalestereotypes.com. And if you're dealing with adversity and you're struggling with life, go to adversityisyourgreatestally.com. We're, you and I are going to continue this conversation uh, because especially with uh, with your mission and what you're doing, uh, again, helping people adapt. I mean, the emission of of the adaptability quotient, it's, it's the company that I've associated with, uh, happens to be that it is we don't want to leave any human being behind in the time of fast change. So we're and, and again, regardless of color, race, gender, ethnicity, we're there. Thank you. This was powerful. Love the conversation. We're, we're going to continue this. Uh, hopefully, uh, everybody else enjoyed it uh, from Geek Skeezers and Googleization and Googleization Nation. Michael Spermuli, you've got, uh, you know, you're a little quiet today. We, get, we got you a little bit. Um, but, All right. I'll, yeah. I'll make up for it in a future episode. Just kind of finding my way here. Yeah, you will. Well, again, uh, my, Michael Taylor was. Uh, was I didn't, I didn't want to take any time away from him because I got about 12 of the questions I'd like to ask, but I know we're up against the clock. So I, yeah, I didn't right, want to interrupt right. the flow. Uh, so, Michael Taylor, appreciate it. We'll be here. We'll be in touch. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Stay appreciate safe, guys. Stay, and, right. 
Hey, and, and the other underlying messages to make change, everybody needs to vote. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Get out get out and vote, please. Absolutely. And wear a mask while you're doing it. <laughs> so bye, Michael. Take care. So hey, uh, so uh Michael Spramuli, it was great to, to be here again with you. Um we'll have some Absolutely. fun again. But yeah, it was a great topic. I, I just let them run. Yeah, <laughs> run I mean, I was I was thinking of a bunch of questions like, you know, how do you deal with let's say, you know, you you're already mentally on board with this, but you know, the holidays are coming up and over Thanksgiving you've got your racists, whomever family member who you know is there. How do you your, your crazy uncle? The crazy uncle. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he could probably do a whole hour on that because, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's where it really we all have it. That, that, that's actually that probably something that binds all the races and genders and ethnic groups. We all got crazy. We all got a crazy uncle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's always there's always someone lurking, uh, <laughs> lurking around the, In the corner. background. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Hey, I uh, look forward to you being here next week. Absolutely. Uh, along with all our listeners and everyone from Googleization Nation. A uh, couple reminders. Um, again, the adaptability quotient, you're going to be hearing a lot about it. We got our master class coming up in a few weeks. Uh, easy way to learn more about it is you can go to no, which is not N-O, but K-N-O-W, knowyouraq.com. I'll take you right up to the website. Uh, you can boost your AQ and go to the master class, get information about it. Uh, it's only $65 and there's going to be uh, three two-hour classes. You'll get the assessment for free or a part of that. Uh, so hopefully you will join us. And if you have a team of people, there's actually a discount on top of that. So hopefully that uh, you'll be part of that. Uh, thanks again to uh, everybody who's been listening. Uh, remember to go up to googleizationnation.com for updates about shows, live streams, webinars, um, some of the other events we're going to be happening. And uh, for anyone uh, who's listened and enjoys it, um, if you didn't enjoy it, let us know. If you did enjoy it, please tell your friends. Uh, we're on every Wednesday live at 1 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, W4CY.com. Uh, and then we're on the podcast, Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart. Everywhere, everywhere yeah. where, where, where audio is found. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're not too far. Until the next episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, this is Ira Wolf and my special co-host, Michael Spramuli. Don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs> <laughs>